All right, thanks, Tracy. Join me, please, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and as you join me there, uh, I wanna acknowledge that as a church, Christian Family Chapel, we have been opening the scriptures together now for 50 years as a church. That's a long time, yeah. Uh, I, I, I have not been here since the beginning. I was in third grade, actually, when I think the church started, but uh, the Lord's blessed Jackie and I to be a part of this for now 37 years. And, um, you know, when we started, opening their Bible on their phone. Think about that. That would have been really a long cord uh, and very fruitless. But of all the things that have changed in 50 years, here's what has not changed in 50 years at CFC. Jesus Christ is still the head of our And that's not theory. That's really true. Uh, we have biblically qualified men who aspire to serve as elders under shepherds of a chief shepherd. So I want you to know if, if you're new to CFC, we genuinely believe and seek to function Jesus as our head and the word of God as our clear final authority in all that we do. Uh, I can testify, again, just early 20s, Jackie and I, new to Jacksonville, visiting this church, walking out this saying to one another, that church is uniquely committed to doing things according to the New Testament. That was our first impression of the CFC, and I, I hope you can still walk out and go, they are uniquely committed to doing things according to the Scripture. Jesus is our head. The Word of God is our guide, and love is our defining mark that we would love as Christ has loved us. So who knows what changes the next 50 years uh, will bring if the Lord tarries, uh, but his grace, it won't be any of those three. Christ, our head, the word, our guide, and love, our defining mark. That's who we are intended to be as a church. So no, no accident, therefore, that taking a, a long, close look at discipleship. Because a t disciple, we defined it a few weeks ago if you missed it. Disciple, someone who is striving to become like their leader. And who's our leader? Jesus Christ. We choose the Jesus way. Striving to become like our leader, Jesus Christ. And that journey... We have described here at the chapel that which is at the bottom of your message memo this morning. That journey begins with us dead in our sins because all have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God and the wage of sin is death. Physically alive but spiritually dead. But it is through the work of Jesus as a substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might go from dead to raised up, become, as the scripture calls us, believers, newborns in Christ, infants in Christ. And as folks who have moved from the coffin to a crib, we are 100% consumers. That's not wrong, that's right. It's only not where we're supposed to stay. Everybody starts here, nobody's supposed to stay here. We're to grow up in Christ. 
word of God renews our minds, as the word of God serves as our guide, that we're learning to walk in the spirit, to talk in the spirit, to pray in the spirit, to love as we have been loved. We are to grow up and to move out of a crib to a table where we would serve mutual together would be loved, I would be loved. You would pray for me, I would pray for you. You would serve me, I would serve you. You see, it's mutual together. And this is really sweet, life at the table. But it's not where we stop because our leader, we're disciples, we're striving to become like our leader. Our leader, Jesus Christ, was a multiplier. And so as multipliers, we get up from the table going to the stove. And that simply means we go back to those who are still dead in their sins so that they might be raised up. We go back to those who are born again but in the crib so that they might grow up. And we go back to the table so that those who have become comfortable with the table can learn to live intentional multiplying lives. I was asked again this morning, I often get this, did you get this from a book somewhere? Uh, Actually, I didn't get this from the book years ago, sitting in my office, uh, just on a legal pad. The Lord gave me these four objects as to understand we would grow into the likeness of our leader. Hopefully, as you have seen this journey, you know where you are and what your next step is. Understanding that the colors here represent from the stove, the instruments the Lord uses to grow us, people, scripture, and serving, because there's certain things we'll never learn in a Bible study. There is life outside of the classroom where we learn dependence upon Jesus. So on this journey that the Lord has us on, we want to look at this morning the practices, the core practices of a growing disciple. So you're two. We're going to look at 36 through 39, a pretty familiar passage once you see it probably. But here in this text is the heart of the core practices of a growing disciple. Jesus was asked, teacher, which is the great command? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, why are those in caps? Because they're an Old Testament reference. That's why they're in caps. This is the great and commandment, Jesus says. So at the core, the greatest practice of a journey in discipleship is learning to Love God. To love God. But he breaks it down specifically. Love God how? With all your with all your soul and with all your mind. So let's put those into real life practices. We love God with all of our heart as we give him praise and thanksgiving. We love with all our heart as we give him praise and worship. See, praise and thanksgiving express love to God. You understand that? If you're married, 
how giving praise and thankfulness to a spouse is an expression of love. If those words never come out of your mouth, there, there will questions begin forming in the mind. Do you love me? So when we express, as we gather, praise and thanksgiving to God, it is a practice of declaring our love for him. So let me correct what is often said. What is often said is, oh yeah, we do the opening songs to prepare our hearts and minds for the instruction of the word. So that's, not, that's actually not singing at the beginning. Why do we do it at the beginning? Why, why do we sing? Because it is our expressing of loving God with all of our hearts. So if you think, oh, I don't need the warm-up. I can just come and show up for the word. I don't need the warm-up. That's not why we do it. We do it because the scripture is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. In other words, all day, every day, it's good to give praise to the Lord, to sing to him. Good voice or not. So uh, at the closing song, I stepped down. We were doing the closing song. And I stood beside a guy I don't normally stand beside. And after he said, hey, I just want to tell you, I just really appreciate how you, you know, even people who don't have good voices sing to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> now, he wasn't, it wasn't like, what? That wasn't a news flash, but I didn't realize, wow, you don't have the gift of encouragement, do you there, brother? <laughs> Remind me, never stand beside you again. But so whether you think you're that guy, it's still good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise. It is because, hey, I don't need a great voice. But when I sing to the Lord, in some ways, it's almost a little sweeter maybe to him. That's what I'd like to think. It's a little sweet. You have great voices. We who don't have great voices, I think it's a little sweeter that we still sing to the Lord. Why, do we, why is it good to sing? I want you to understand. Why, why is it good? Because what happens when we declare his faithfulness, his goodness, it puts the rest of life in perspective. And a lot of our week is getting life out of perspective. And to come in and to lift our hearts, our voices to the Lord, kind of right-sizes life. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name. So, uh, encourage you. Make the most of the time to be here to give praise. It's good to do so. He's deserving, and it's good for our heart. Uh, let us continually, Hebrews says, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. In other words, I understand the whole song in my heart thing. Let it come out your mouth. The fruit of lips that give praise to his name. So we give will to God of praise, but those aren't the only sacrifices that God desires. The psalmist, Psalm 51 David writes, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. 
you won't despise. Now, you probably know David prays this and writes this out of a really bad time of great sin in his life. And he writes this to be reminded that when we sin, and we do, and we're reluctant to come to the Lord with it, maybe you've thought this, ah, I need to, I need to kind of do good, and then I'll come to the Lord to show him that I really mean it. The psalmist reminds us, the broken heart, where there's brokenness of sin, there need never be reluctance to bring it to the Lord. So, <clears throat> I don't mean this to be silly at all, but how many of us sin regularly? Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. There you go. Hate for you to be sinning in the house of the Lord by not raising your hand on that one. See, the issue, seriously, we sometimes think, oh man, the issue is stopping sinning. And there is a striving towards holiness. But the reality is, I'm not confused whether it's in heart, mind, attitude. Sin is often a reality in my life. So the question is not, hey, do we sin? Yes. Do we sin regularly? Yes. The question is what? Do we confess our sin? See, as often as the sacrifice of praise is part of our expressing our love to God, we love God with confession of sin. And that's not sporadic. Uh, that's not every once in a while. There is this desire to grow into Christ-likeness that my confession, this is going to sound weird, is more, not less. You see what I just said? You would think, oh, no, as I grow in Christ, my confession will be less. No, my confession will be more, not less. More quickly, slowly. More honest, I, I might go past just uh, bad behavior too. Man, what a terrible attitude I had today. We love God with confession of sin. And so these are the practices of, of a disciple. So we're going to invite Matt to come and to lead us through a time of confession. And, and let's, let's be clear here. The Lord never grows tired of our praise. And the Lord never grows tired of our confession. And really a good word to me. Because maybe like me, sometimes you've thought, the Lord's not really interested in me confessing what I have confessed over and over again. He's kind of like tired of it. You ever thought that? Like, ah, I've confessed this so many times. Here's a good word. When the Lord forgives us, he remembers our sins no more. So therefore, when I bring back to him, he's not like, again? You ever think, again? No. He had remembered them no more. So let's not be 
in our confession. Now, here's the way we're going to do it. Matt's going to sing a simple verse from a song that will prompt specific expressions of confession. And we'll give you some quiet seconds for you just in the quietness of your seat to confess. Okay? Not out loud, just to the Lord. Confess. Bring based on the verse. All right? Let's go. For what we have done, left undone, we fall on your countless mercy. Sins that are known and those unknown, we call on your name so. mercies are new every morning. So let's stand and let's declare this scripture, the promise regarding his forgiveness and our confession. Would you read it out loud with me? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, Bow down before 
See, the beauty of our walk with Jesus is uh, that he invites, invites us anytime, any place, anywhere where the Spirit brings conviction to confess. Uh, I have is I just, Matt follows me wherever I go and then he just sings us. No, that's. <laughs> See, understand, we do what we do corporately to equip us, to teach us what to do privately. You see what I'm saying? You can do, and I invite you to, daily what we just did corporately. You read something in the scriptures, you hear something, the spirit of God speaks something to your heart, there's conviction. How I treated my neighbor, envy, pride. Things undone, things I've done. When the spirit prompts what and then I simply do what we did together. Lord, thank you that where there's confession, there's always forgiveness and cleansing. And don't hesitate. That's a, a fantastic time to, whether in your heart, whether you whistle, I whistle a lot, or you sing. You just say, thank you, Lord. I want us to learn the practices that we do are in here are to equip us to do what we do privately as we grow in this journey. Practice of praise, the practice of confession. It's how we express our love. Let me invite you to have a seat and we'll continue in the text. We love God with all of our heart, with praise and thanksgiving. We love God with all of our soul, with confession. And we love God with all of our mind. The scripture says this, rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. That's quite a statement. Rejoiced in this, the scriptures, as much as in all riches. That's the value that the about the word of God. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. You know what it means to regard the word of the Lord? It means that I will give it an elevated place in my life. I will regard it. Why? Because I count it as great. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. In other words, I will hide it in my heart. I, I, I will memorize it so that I'll have it when I need it. To us, but we love God. One of the practices of a growing disciple is not only praise and confession, it's reading, remembering, regarding his word. Reading it. Maybe you have a reading plan. If you don't, Go on to our reading plan that will help you. Because one of the greatest barriers to reading the scriptures often is, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to read. It's a big book, and some of it doesn't make sense. And, and so if you don't have a reading plan, there are reading plans everywhere that will just help. Last year, we did a, a read through the New Testament in 90 days, and I was so encouraged 
by how many people took that reading plan. Maybe you would do it for the next 90 days. You say, well, I've already done that. Well, it's a good book. You can read it again. <laughs> days and to have the word of God begin to be etched in my heart. Rarely do I remember something I've read one time. But the good stuff I read and I read and I read again. And in reading, I remember it. And I read it ultimately where I regard it. You understand? Your reading practices reflect how you regard the word of God. What elevated place it has in our life. Again, this is not news to you. But sometimes we forget. The trajectory of my life is going to be radically impacted by what I do with this book. As a man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, for me, as a pastor, what I do with this book is going to radically impact the trajectory of my life. And that is equally true for you, my friends. What you, if, if you do not regard this book, if you ignore this book, and ignore it, I mean fail to read it. If, if you only engage this book once a week when you come in here, any of you that means only a couple times a month, if you only engage this book on that limited basis, that's going to impact the trajectory of your life. Because this book is life. This book is truth. This book is wisdom. Be wise, and you want to walk in life then regard this in the manner in which you read it and put it in your heart in memory because of how you regard it in your life. I realize there's a jillion podcasts out there. Good stuff. Matches this. If podcast, leadership podcast, self-help podcast are ruling your life, I'm not down on them unless it's replacing this. This will be the difference maker. 50 years it's been true. It's the difference maker in our church. For 50 years it's been the difference maker in my life. Will be for you as well. So practice reading, remembering, regarding his word. So Jesus said, when it comes down to it, the core of becoming like me is loving the Father with all your heart, praise and thanksgiving, with all your soul, confession, with all your mind, how you engage the scriptures. And second is like it, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know if you've ever connected Exodus 20 where the Ten Commandments are. You can easily break them down. The first four deal with your relationship. The next six deal with horizontal relationship with others. It's exactly what Jesus says here. First and foremost is what? Love God. And then the second is like it. In other words, you can't love God and not do this. If you love God, then you're going to do this. Part, don't miss this. There's in every part of our life a vertical relationship and a horizontal 
relationship. This first, love him with all my heart, soul, and mind. And then like it, how I engage who are around me. Jesus said in the night that he's arrested, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, let me acknowledge, is that new? (laughs) No, loving one another is not new. Here's what's new. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. See, that's new. Love as we have been loved. And what had he just done? And maybe you don't know. What he had just done earlier in this chapter, John 13, they had come together to celebrate the Passover feast and he had washed their feet. Not symbolic. He, you know why? Because their feet were dirty <laughs> and they were eating. He met a real practical need. And we love God by praise and worship. We love God by the confession of our sin. We love God by engaging and devouring the word of God as the best thing in our life. And we love God by meeting the needs of the brethren. In other words, those who are part of the family of God. That is love of God. We love God by meeting the needs Whether it's prepare a meal, help make a car payment, clean up a yard, someone to the grocery store, partner with them and helping them with their kids, watching them in the nursery, the kids, so they can come in here. See what I'm saying? We love God by the needs of the brethren. Apostle John says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes, see, the door is open and he closes his heart against him. How's the love of God abide in him? In other words, that doesn't make any If the love of God abides in my heart, if, if this relationship is right, If I am loving him with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind, I will indeed then love others. Who ever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes heart? God abided him. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. In other words, let's not just talk about it. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. What he's saying is you... You probably don't need another sermon on this one. (laughs) Or sing another song. But to get the towel and basin and go meet a need. You know what I mean? The towel, what what Jesus used to wash. We go meet needs. See a need. Meet a need. Man, I love. Let me give you a way to go here. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, one Easter Sunday, in the heart of what Christ has done for us, we put up that needs board out there. If you've never stopped and looked at it here in the South Auditorium, as you come in, there's a needs board. And the idea was for a few weeks, people would put their needs on there, and people, other people would go, oh, 
I can meet that need. They take the tag off and they call the person's name on the back and then they put it on the other side. Needs need met. And we thought, oh, we'll keep that up for a couple of weeks. It's been more than 10 years. Hundreds and hundreds of needs met as I still love it when I see people stopping and looking at the needs in the body. Now, a little sharpening for us. Some of you have thought it's Facebook marketing. And you're like, I'm selling, we're not selling goods there, all right? And it's not a GoFundMe board either. It's, <laughs> I have a need. And Ken, you meet it. Just put your name on it, contact information. Because uh, the only thing that keeps that board from being effective is when people read it and there's a bunch of stuff that's really not what the goal is there. But where I, I've come to this conclusion, needs there, people love to meet them. And I love, CFC, that you have loved the brethren. Our readiosity fund, being ready to be generous. I mean, you go all out to that so that we as a church really do have a huge amount of resources to help where there are needs to meet. Love it. Thank you for your love of the brethren. Let's not stop there. The word of God, our guide, love, our defining mark. But it doesn't just stop, love your neighbor as yourself, love as you have been loved with the love of the brethren. In Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> some very memorable stories, but sometimes we miss why he told them. So Luke 15 starts this way. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him, that's Jesus, to listen to him. So, so it wasn't just religious people who were listening to him. There were people whose lives were a wreck, but they were attracted to listening to this guy, Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. These were the religious people of the day saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words, in their mind, he shouldn't be with them. He should say, I'm not here for you. Get your life right and then come listen to me. And so Jesus confronts that grumbling, their thought about how he should be isolated from sinners and tax collectors. And it says, so he told them this parable, told them the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing and how he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Now it's a, a parable. A parable is this. A parable is a true-to-life that teaches a spiritual reality. So a parable didn't necessarily happen, but it could happen. So true-to-life that teaches a spiritual reality. So here was the reality. You, if you're spiritual, stay away from sinners. Well, let me tell you a story. One missing, 
He goes looking, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That's the true-to-life story. In case they'd missed the spiritual reality, it's to illustrate he tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying. Does Jesus not care? He does care about the 99. He's saying there's more joy over this one who repents than 99 who think they don't need to repent because there are no righteous people who don't need repentance. There aren't any of those. The one who recognizes I need repentance. See what Jesus is doing? It's almost like though he doesn't, he sees they don't get it. So he says he told them this parable, but then he tells them another one. Not of a shepherd with a hundred sheep, but a woman with ten coins. This is one. And because those coins are important to her and precious to her, she scours and cleans the whole house until she finds it. And when she found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin which I had lost. It seems like they still don't get it. So he tells them, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But we're people, not sheep or coins. One more story. Right after this. Not a shepherd with sheep or a woman with coins, but a father with two sons. And the one son doesn't want to wait for his dad to die to get his inheritance. So he does the unthinkable and says, Dad, if you're dead. Pretty offensive. But dad does. Now, true to life story to teach a spiritual reality. Dad does. He travels, blows it, his whole inheritance on parties and prostitutes. Without any money, he one day goes, you know, my dad's slaves live better than me. I'm going home. And he goes and heads home. But while he was still, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. See, a true-to-life story, spiritual reality. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned. I've what? I've sinned. It's heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father. See, he confronts that I'm no longer worthy. <laughs> Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. You see it? What happened? <laughs> His son repented. 
and he saw him a long way off, which meant he was watching for him. And they began to celebrate. They, though, does not include the brother. In Jesus' story, the old didn't run off, who didn't waste his inheritance and didn't demand his inheritance, had been the good son the entire time, goes, I'm not participating in that foolishness, that's junk. You understand the story that Jesus is telling. The older brother, it's the Pharisees and the scribes that are listening. Jesus just put him in the story, the older brother. The way the older brother responded is like the way you're responding to me, eating collectors. And what did the father say to the older brother? We had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. So friends, don't, don't miss this. Growing disciple, one becoming like Jesus, what do we do first with all of our heart? We praise and worship. What do we do with all of our soul? Confess our sin. What do we do with all of our mind? We read, the, conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what do we do for one another? We meet the needs of one another because we're family. And what do we do to those who aren't part of the family yet? We do what a shepherd does for a sheep, a woman does for a coin, and a dad does for his boy. We pursue them. See, we love God and reflect the heart of God by pursuing the lost. Love God by having the heart of God and how we pursue the lost. But that wouldn't all the whole part of this, the whole part of the story. That's the first part. He went and looked and they cleaned, they scoured, and they're out watching. What was the next part? Not only pursue we love God by the celebrating of the found. You were here last week, we had some celebration. Folks who shared their testimonies of how they had been lost to Christ. And I really, I encourage cheering, hooting, and hollering when people get baptized. That's good. Because that's what the shepherd does with the sheep and the dad does with the boy and the woman does with her coin. So growing in Christ-likeness, praise, confession. Read the scriptures. Help the brethren pursue the lost and celebrate when they're found. A couple words that I hope immediately come to your mind at CFC when we talk about pursuing the lost. First, I hope you think bless. Begin with prayer. Listen eat, serve, and share. I hope you think bless. 
has given us literal neighbors, not by accident, but by intention. Whether those are residential neighbors, people who live around you, work neighbors, people who work around you, or recreational neighbors, people who play where you play and do the things that you love to do. Those are not by accident. They're And we begin to pray for them, and we learn to listen. What's their story? And nothing gives opportunity to listen like eating, because everybody loves to eat. And then to serve, and to share. So I always want us to think bless, and the second word I want us to always think is alpha. Alpha, if you're not familiar with alpha, alpha is used all around the world to create around a meal, because meals are key, around a meal, non-judgment where we can listen to people, what they think, what their story is, as they hear what's Christianity really about. Alpha is something we offer consistently here. And here's just a real brief, real brief testimony of what was so important to one of our recent Alpha attendees. The people I met I call pure. And I don't know if I can really explain that, but I know that when I come into this building with these people, there truly is no judgment at all. And the love cry. <laughs> Everyone is so loving and so caring, and you can say anything you need to say. If you have a problem or whatever, it doesn't leave. You get the, the love and the help that you need from Alpha. What, she, what did she experience? Love. A place where people can feel safe regarding their, their questions. What we didn't show you as part of her story is you know why she came to Alpha? Because a neighbor started having conversations and then invited her. She came because she was invited. Uh, any of you get one of these coming in? Anybody? Okay, I'm, it's a genuine question because Thursday, I assumed you did and they were like, oh no, we didn't get one. Get one of these coming in? All right. This is, this is simply an invitation. This is not an announcement to you. It's an invitation for you to, to give to somebody. And you'll see, it's younger and older. It's all ages around different tables. There's a meal together. There's conversation. There's watching of a brief video that speaks about what we believe and life as Christians but it's a non-judgmental conversation. So you see, it starts, again, September 21st. One of the ways, practical ways, we do what Jesus was doing in Luke 15. Okay, you ca capture that? Again, we're trying to simply say, how do we as a church do what we see happening in the New Testament? So what we've been doing for 50 years. So think bless, literal neighbors, Alpha as an opportunity for non-judgmental conversation. The key to all of it is an invite. So just to encourage you, invitations matter. Let me invite Aaron. Come up. Aaron Heaps is one of the young moms in our body here. And 
to share her story of how uh, she got connected here and how the Lord used that. Hello. Um, I grew up going to church on holidays. I heard about God. My family celebrated Christmas and Easter. I knew that Jesus was born and that later he died. I heard the story of Jesus. I knew church people. I was involved in different church youth groups. I stayed at a distance. I watched church people use their words to say one thing. I watched their actions say another. It was confusing. It made me sad, but mostly mad. I continued through high school and then college. By the world's standards, I had a good life. By the world's standards, I was happy. I had fun, but happiness didn't last. Every day ended empty. I wondered what I was missing. Still in college, I started a new job, met a few new friends. They told me they knew Jesus, church people. <clears throat> they invited me to church. I said, no thanks. They were kind, I liked them. They were invited me again. I said, no thanks, again. They kept inviting. I said, yes, maybe they would stop asking. <laughs> They didn't really know me or what I had done. If they did, would they have still invited me to church? I hoped my church closed. I was nervous. I wanted to throw up. I walked through the doors. I sat down. I listened. I heard something new, something different. I heard that Jesus wanted a relationship with me. I heard that Jesus knew who I was and what I I heard that Jesus died on the cross for me. I had never heard this before. I wanted to hear more. I told my friends I would like to come to church again and then again. I continued to walk through the doors of CFC. I continued to hear one day, this day, through the doors dead, but would walk out alive. I listened and watched as the pastor moved from coffin to crib to table to stove. He asked if anyone was in the coffin. I knew I was. He spoke. I listened. I didn't anymore. I wanted out. He offered to pray with anyone still in the coffin. I prayed. I had heard with my ears maybe my whole life, but this day, God was letting me hear with my heart. I knew I was a sinner. Jesus was my only way out of the coffin that I was living in. I prayed. I opened my eyes. I was different. Because of Jesus, I was alive. I am alive. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful God brought me through the doors at CFC. Thankful he opened my heart to hear about his I'm thankful that I've been able to grow at CFC, being cared for in the crib, and served at the table. I'm thankful I've had the privilege to stand and serve at the stove, and I'm thankful for the recent reminder to stand and serve at the stove more often. I'm thankful for the reminder that people are still in the coffin. I was, but could be alive just like I am. I hey, see that's a true story.
reality. We start dead. But wow, did you hear? Invitation, 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 different love, kindness. And then this, to hear and then for God to speak. There's a huge difference. We can hear stuff, and then there's moments where God speaks. And when he speaks, <laughs> the heart is opened, and dead come alive. Friends, we get to be like our leader, part of that journey for other folks. It's not some duty we have to do. It's the incredible privilege we get to be a part of as fellow workers in his field. You don't need to write this down, but I do want to etch it into our hearts. The journey out of the coffin often begins with a simple invitation. If the Lord would do uh, anything significant in our heart, church, we have more, have more the heart of our Savior to invite, to pursue, to engage those who are still dead. So that they'd come to life. What a great, great privilege. So, in this journey, what are our practices? Love God. With all of our heart. What's that? Praise and worship. Thanksgiving. Love God with all of our soul. Confession of our sin. Love God with all of our mind. What's that? Read, devour, regard the word of God. And love our neighbor as ourselves. Love God by meeting the needs of others. And love God pursuing the lost, and celebrating the found. That's the growing into Christ's likeness. So I'm going to invite the man to come and to, to give us an opportunity to respond in a very specific, uh, in the specific way I mean is this. I had a good friend tell me this week, he said, Doug, I love this journey of disciple. It's so clear, coffin, crib, table, stove. I, I do love it, but I got to tell you, I need a bed beside the stove. Because, <laughs> man, that's just flat me out. I need a bed beside the stove. And so if you feel that way, I want you to understand this. We say this at CFC, fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. Um, when Paul says, I am giving myself to be a disciple who makes disciples, he says, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within. Fully devoted and not spirit empowered will just flat wear you out, wring you out, and you'll give up and go discouraged.
fully devoted, spirit-empowered. The word Jesus uses this, abide. Abide in me as I abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing that will eternally last, but abiding in me. In other words, striving according to my strength, which is mightily at work within you, and you'll bear much fruit. So our closing prayer is, Lord, as we confess, as we read, as we serve, and as we reach out, we're going to do it all in your strength, abiding in you. So this is simply a closing prayer. Lord, teach me to abide. Let's declare this together. I depend on you.
confident that that's his will for us to teach us to abide in him, that we trust in him as we go. So, hey, the things we've done today, um, like Doug said, it's intended to be part of our lives all the time. So I want to encourage us as we go, let's be careful. Let's give him praise in the moments. Let's be quick to confess, um, quick to see a need and meet a need and to pursue the lost. Um, And he can empower us to do it. So really glad that you're here. If we can pray for you in any way. We have men and women between the auditoriums who are there to pray for you. Uh, So I hope you'll do that. God bless. We'll see you next time.